This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snow White. Thanks for sticking with me till the end of the year. This is going to be my, what gear did I really enjoy? What am I going to endorse for the year 2023? But it's also my gift guide. You may be having some good luck this year with Santa. For those of you that are going to get cold, this doesn't apply. But if you are good boys and girls for Hanukkah Harry or for Santa Claus, or maybe you just want to buy yourself something nice and you're looking for a suggestion, you can take this short list with you. When you go shopping, I'm going to break it down into small items and big items. We're going to go through just gear I suggest. I'm not a dermatologist, but you may sense a theme to this. Stay hydrated too. I don't have any water bottles on here, but stay hydrated as well. It's good for your skin. I want to start off by saying that Mr. Pickles has checked in with an email. I asked in the last podcast if somebody had suggestions for a new net. This is what Mr. Pickles wants us to know. He wants to recommend the MeasureNet Junior Guide model. He says it's durable and reasonably priced. He has the Fish Pond El Jefe, but he's found the rubber bag tears too easily. So if you're looking for a net for a gift, if you're buying one, if you're asking for one, there's your endorsement first. We've got a MeasureNet Junior Guide model. I'm pretty sure Dirty Bill uses a measure. Pretty sure Dirty Bill also uses a MeasureNet. So let's break down the small items. There's stuff in the $100 range. These could also be stocking stuffers for you. And feel free to shoot me an email if you need specifics, makes, models, designs, websites, whatever. I may just post these on Instagram. Who knows? So let's get started. I'm wearing them now. I think you need a pair of Crocs. I ridiculed Crocs. 
there was a guide in Breckenridge with us in 2005, right when these shoes first kind of came on the market, and he was ridiculed. They made fun of him, and I swore I would never wear them. They were ridiculous looking. As time has gone on, these have gone from your casual shoes that were featured in Idiocracy to kind of normal wear these days. I'd always been a flip-flop guy. Chaco flips. That's what I wore as my summer outdoor boating, wet wading, everything shoe. And then the girlfriend convinced me to buy a pair of Crocs. And I hesitated. I looked around. Everyone in the store was doing it, so I figure I might as well too. And I gave them my credit card and I walked out. And it was the weirdest feeling of this spongy foam fist with your toes goodness that I've ever experienced in a pair of shoes. They're amazing. And I've got two pairs of regular ones with gibbets. I've got a pair of tie-dyed fuzzy ones with gibbets. And now I'm wearing just my black uh, black clog ones that have no air holes in them. So these are more my cold weather ones if, if you get cold. Now, I suggest you get yourself a pair of Crocs because you can walk in sand with them. Flip-flops, they flip the sand up behind you and makes a mess. Sand, if it gets in them, you can just shake it out through the croc holes. If that's what they're called, I'm not sure. If you work for crocs, send me the name and we'll use it next time. So they don't flip sand up. Sand falls out of them. Seashells fall pretty easily out of them too. So they're great for the beach. You can walk in wet sand. You can walk in dry sand. It helps you get across the hot sand, which I never want to ever touch with my bare feet again. I just don't like sand in general touching me, and the Crocs give me that safer feeling on my feet than the flip-flops do when I'm going down the shore. You get them in any make, model, color, size. They actually make shoes. They make all sorts of things with Crocs. I have no real affiliation with them, except that they are awesome. You can go in a boat with them. They're non-slip. They're going to protect your toes. There's that little toe push bar on the stealth craft boats. I can't tell you how many times I've jammed a big toe into that. Just slipping or getting up or walking and tripping and busting my toe into it. I no longer wear flip-flops in the boat. I wear Crocs. Let's say you fall out of the boat. Crocs float. They're not going to hold you up. They're not made for a personal flotation device. But if they fall off, they're going to float. I like them sport mode. Now, if you've never worn Crocs and you think they're ridiculous, clog mode is when you have the strap up top. Sport mode is when you got it on your heel. I always wear sport mode because otherwise it, it falls off. I don't like the feeling. Now, they're not as easy to get off as flip-flops. I'll admit I got to put my hand against the wall usually and lean so I don't fall over, but I like them. And if you think they're the most ridiculous thing out there, try them on. Trust me, I was one of you too. Next up are thick, cushy socks. You may live in Florida. You may live in Ireland. Everyone needs a good pair of cushy socks. My last podcast, I went up the street, got three pairs of socks. I'm going to endorse the Ducks Unlimited ones. Two pack, about $14 plus Virginia tax. So not bad. If you figure 35 cents for every time you wear them, they're going to pay for themselves quickly. They're cushy. They're comfortable. They stay up. They've got a thick toe. They got a thick heel on them. They got a little sponginess in that arch support. That's what I'm looking for in a good pair of cushy socks. 
Hopefully, they're not the kind that get crusty after a while and crunchy. Those have all been relegated now to the bottom drawer on the nightstand. Those are the old socks, the ones that I'm going to wear when I'm just doing something grungy like yard work. Now, the middle drawer, that's going to have all of my nice new socks. They get segregated now because once you go to good socks again, you forget how good they are. And man, you just you get, it's just great. And then what you can do is you can take that socked up foot and you can stick it in your Crocs. You may not have thought about that before if you're not a Croc person, but yes, you can wear Crocs and socks. It's crazy comfortable. If it's cold out, you wear the clogs. If not for those little Croc holes, you can get little plugs for them that block up the wind in the winter time. It's pretty fantastic. So good pair of socks. If you're wearing long johns on a cold day, you want them to have enough elastic that you can pull them up and over and they're going to be snug all day and not fall down. You want to have something that you can sweat in and get grimy, wash, come out nice and soft, get a couple of years out of them before the heel starts coming. And trust me, everyone thinks that socks are a big joke on the holidays. That's because they get white tube socks, which once you open them are pointless and worthless because they're going to get dirty and nasty. They're made of cotton. You don't want that. So get yourself a nice pair of wool, merino, alpaca, vicuña, unicorn, whatever. Get those nice socks. Ask for those instead of useless tube socks for the holidays. You could stuff a stocking with them. And that would be redundant, but it would still be a nice gift. And it's not going to set you back or anybody who's buying you a gift. So put that on your list. What's up next? Next, we got pliers. Why pliers? Well, they're not too expensive. You can sure put the expensive pliers on the big items list. But I like a brand called P-Line. They last for several years. Nothing really goes wrong. They don't rust. I've got a, a leather holster I bought somewhere online as well that goes with them. The expensive ones usually come with a nice holster. You want to have something that's nice and sharp, something that's going to cut mono, cut braid, cut thorns if you get tied up. You also want to be able to pinch barbs down and split shot. And you want to be able to rinse it off after it's been in the ocean, get it nice and clean, and keep it on your waiter belt or in your gear bag or wherever, but you should have a good pair of pliers. You don't want the kind that are for opening up split rings. Those are just gonna be weird looking. They got like a snaggle tooth on them. That's not what you want. You want the ones that are gonna be flat on the tip and preferably you don't want grooves in the tip because that's where small hooks will get lost and you won't be able to smash the barbs. So I'm saying a nice pair of pliers. You don't have to break the bank on them and get something in the 40 to $50 range that'll last you for years. Another reason you should have a nice pair of pliers is you might come into contact with an unexpected fish. There's always something bigger out there. There's always something meaner. There's always a bigger predator. And those usually have large teeth. The Potomac, you might come into contact with gar and snakehead. They got big teeth. There's also muskies in some lakes around here. I'm sure you might come into contact with pike and other toothy critters where you normally use a little hemostat to take the hook out. Well, you might want to get a larger pair of pliers just to increase that distance and have a little bit more leverage. P-Line does make a smaller version, which is nice when you got to get in a bluegill's mouth because sometimes the big pliers are just too big. You might not want to come into contact with a snakehead with those never actually seen a snakehead lunge and bite at somebody, but you know it's going to happen, and I don't want to be that person that it happens to. Next up, 
buff face tube. Not just because we're out fishing in the sun and the wind and you want to just keep the weather, wind, and sun off of you. They're comfortable. You're going to be older than you are younger, so you do want to preserve your looks, prevent skin cancer, prevent windburn, prevent mosquitoes, black flies, noxious plants, anything you may come into contact with your face that you don't want to touch with your face, you use that. Now, if we use the term radiation burn instead of sunburn, people might change how they think about it, but they still go out there all the time without sun protection. I'm guilty. I don't always have sun protection, but I have a whole lot of buffs. So the nightstand, bottom drawer is the older socks, like two, three years old. Middle drawers and brand new socks are so comfy. Picked them up at Ross. Top drawers, buffs. I've been collecting buffs for about 20 years now. I've got things with pirates on them. I got stuff with tarpon. I've got Grateful Dead, different patterns, colors, nonprofits, companies, you name it. They're comfortable. You can wear them in several different ways and you can customize them with the limitless patterns and brands that are on them. Your local fly shop will have them. You can go online and search until you're exhausted. There's probably a thousand minimum patterns you can choose from online. They're not very expensive. Again, small present. Everyone should have them and you will realize how useful that is when you have one. Books. Every fly angler needs to read. There's two types of people in this world. There's those that read and those that don't. And I've been reading fly fishing books my entire life. I started off with all the old black and white stuff in the rest of libraries and learn weird stuff that no one talks about anymore. But these are a couple of books I recommend for you that I think you should read depending on fresh or saltwater angler. They're all going to help you. The first one is The Unreasonable Virtue of Fly Fishing by Mark Kurlansky. Mark Kurlansky is a prolific history author. I consume everything he puts out. It's amazing. He's been on this podcast when he discussed his book, Salmon, about two years ago. It's another book you should get. But this one just covers everything. And if someone doesn't understand what we're doing, that's a great book for them. And if somebody's just getting into this, it covers everything. The entire history of fly fishing in one concise book. Kurlansky is just a fantastic author. You're really going to enjoy the book. The next one is An Entirely Synthetic Fish, How Rainbow Trout Beguiled America and Overran the World by Anders Halverson. It explains rainbow trout from the West Coast first hatcheries and what happened to the people that set up the hatcheries to why there are derp rainbow trout stocked around the world today. It's fantastic history, science, great read. I highly suggest you ask for it or purchase it yourself or give it as a gift. The next one is just a wild story. The Feather Thief, Beauty, Obsession, and the Natural History Heist of the Century by Kirk Wallace Johnson. It's about a guy who breaks into a museum, steals some birds for fly tying feathers, and he goes into detail about feather collections, the history of feathers, why you're not allowed to collect bird feathers now in certain places. It's fascinating. It's going to be brought to the small screen soon. So read it or give it to somebody. I just found a copy at the thrift store. It's not just for anglers. It's a good read and you'll want to read it before it comes out because it's probably not going to tell everything. 
Don't have to be a fly angler or fly tire. It's a great read. Quick read. A classic one you need to read, whether you're a trout angler or you are dropping minnow size flies to tarpon in crystal clear water. In the Ring of the Rise by Vincent Marinero. Talked about this guy a lot with anybody who we discussed the central southeastern trout streams with in Pennsylvania. Vince Marinero comes up a lot. If you're going through Carlisle, Pennsylvania anytime, please stop by the Fly Fishing Museum. It's free to go in. You just show up during the hours it's unlocked, and you can go check out the famous Latorte in the back. You just walk across a small field. There's a small field. You walk across it, and it is lined with willow trees, and it's about as beautiful a trout stream as you will ever find. Continuing with the Pennsylvania theme, you need Spring Creek Strategies, Hatches, Patterns, and Techniques by Mike Heck. Mike was on the podcast at the end of the summer this year. He's one of the people I've known oldest since I've been doing this. And you will come across a Spring Creek at some point in your life. I plan on having one in my backyard for my forever home. They are magical. They're beautiful. It's where Mark Kalansky will explain a lot of trout fishing was started. And Mike's going to teach you and tell you and walk you through how to fish them because they're usually a little more difficult, require a little more techniques. But if you don't want to read the book, just go hire Mike and listen to him for the day. And the last thing would just be a gift card for a bookstore online or in person. $35 is about all you need to buy a book. If you want to just send a gift card for specifically buying a fishing book to somebody, I would suggest that. Now, the first night of Hanukkah, I opened my present and there were new sunglass retainers by Crokey's. I was telling my girlfriend how I went on a rafting trip in 1986 on the Snake River and the rafting guide had Grateful Dead Bear Crokey's. Never been able to find them since. I wore Crokey's in high school and college and then I played with all the new modern glass retainers. And I've had this really nice pair for several years and I kind of neglected them. They're zip tied on and it was a hint for me to cut those off and get new ones. So you need a nice pair of sunglass retainers. You're gonna take your glasses off a lot, whether you're walking in and out of a fly shop, clouds, getting in and out of your car, the sunset at night. I don't want you just throwing them in your car, your backpack. They should be around your neck when you're wearing them and hanging up on something or in a box when you're not. So I hang mine by their now new croquis by the knobs on the cabinets in my kitchen. I take care of my glasses better than pretty much anything else in all of my fly fishing gear. And we're gonna get to the sunglasses in a bit. If you're a fly tire, if you fish in nasty weather, an emery board kit. Variety of emery boards that means sizes and textures because your fingers are going to get caught on the inside of your pockets. They're going to get caught on your fly tying gear when you start using egg yarn and other synthetics. Your 6, 8-aught, 12-aught thread is going to get caught in your nasty fingertips. I want you to have nice, clean fingertips when you're tying. So emery boards. Get a whole variety of them. Guys, trust me on this. Emery boards. Solares, or Solares, it's a brand of epoxy that cures under UV light. And the two I suggest by them are the UV medium viscosity. It's the orange bottle, fly tying resin, two ounce, with a little squeeze tip nozzle for preciseness. 
This stuff doesn't get too hard on the top of a fly. It gives a little bit of give. It makes great shell backs and backs on things. And if you need to just make your fly a little more durable, you want this. The other one is this little black vial and I'm holding things as if you can see them, but you can't. There are visual aids here in the fly tying office. This is the bone dry. It is a crystal clear little liquid and you just put a little dot on your thread wherever you need something to be locked down, whether it's your final knot, dumbbell eyes, putting on something on the shank that needs to be secured down or something you just want to reinforce. This stuff, I trimmed down the little paintbrush just a little bit so I get a more precise dot, hit it with the Solarez UV light and it's good to go. It'll replace your Sally's hard as nails, your head cements and your other UV cure products. Won't break the bank, it'll also fit in a stocking. I mentioned this in the last podcast, nippers with files. Most of your fly shops should carry this. I've never used one before. I carry a nipper, I carried a file. Now I've got a nipper with a file on it. I can trim things, I can polish things up, repeatedly check your hooks if you're fishing in rocky places or things you're gonna hit on your back cast and just clean it up a little bit. The Dermatone face stick. It's a little itty bitty micro deodorant looking thing. It's about the size of probably like a half of a candy bar, I don't know, but it's got this coconut smelling paste in it that you rub on your face or wherever else and it's gonna block the light out. I use it for my nose and my cheekbones and my ears. Things that are not being covered at the time by the buff. You can put it on the back of your hands as well. You just don't want the fish being able to smell it. So don't touch your flies, your lines, your leaders, what have you. It's great stuff if you're driving the driver needs to be wearing sunscreen and the passenger should also be wearing sunscreen on the side of their face that faces the window. Take care of your skin, it's gonna take care of you. Stay hydrated, take an Advil afterwards. I've left the Dermatone stick in my car and it doesn't melt. It's a great product. I also just tell you to use Dermatone skincare in the first place. I got a new pair of pants recently. They're pretty fantastic, lots of pants don't fit me. I thought the cool pants fit nice and snugly, but every time I sit down, the button thing snaps open and my pants are wide open. So I stopped wearing them. Every pair I bought from them, the pairs I returned and got back, the ones I've bought at the thrift store, except for one pair. Every time I get up or sit down, squat, whatever, the waist thing pops open. So I'm done with them. I'm wearing the Ariat Rebar M7 Dur Stretch Made Tough Straight Pant. Not an expensive pair of pants. I bought two of them in khaki. They look sharp. I got complimented on them recently. Don't get complimented on my threads too often, so I'm going to give a shout out to Ariat for that. They're really nice. You can wear them to the office. You can wear them to the fly shop. You can wear them just chilling in the house. Give me two years. I'm sure I'll put my hole in the left knee, but for the meantime, they look pretty sharp. I wear them with Crocs. I wear them with my boots. I dig them. They're a nice pair of pants. The waist, don't need a belt with them, but I do because sometimes you just have to look put together. And the length is perfect. A lot of 3232s do not fit me. Sun gloves. You can get the expensive brands. You can go online and find the less expensive brands. It's not too important to me. I just want you to have your hands covered. It's not just for the sun. I've talked about in old podcasts that I've gone to old fishing shows and I've met some of the old timers who we grew up watching on TV. These people had some of the worst looking backs of their hands I've ever seen because just too much sun on them from being outside as a kid through fishing in their 
20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Cover your hands, make them look good because they age really quickly. My hands are so beat up from this job and I always wear my sun gloves, no matter the weather. I wore them steelhead fishing, I'll wear them on a 100 degree day. Doesn't matter, if it's too cold, then I'm wearing fingertipless wool gloves. Another reason you want them is they protect you from the fish. The, sh the shad we have have something called scutes, which are serrated points on their bellies. They're fish with sharp dorsal fins like catfish and white perch. They're toothy fish. Anything that you can help protect your hand from getting stabbed, spiked, scraped, etc., wear them. I slipped off of a jetty a couple years ago and my gloves prevented me from slicing my hand open on barnacles or whatever they were. My gloves got shredded, but my hands didn't. I don't like that a lot of them get hooks through them easily and then you've got to figure out how to get a hook out of your right hand when you're right-handed and I'm trying to do it with my left hand with my rod in my armpit because I'm not putting my rod over my shoulders. You can absolutely go online and get two pairs of less expensive gloves than some expensive brand name. I've worn the brand name, I wear the less expensive off name. The less expensive ones have lasted longer and they smell better usually than some of the more expensive ones. And I've worn four or five pairs of expensive ones from different shops. You want them long enough that they cover the wrist where it meets your long sleeve shirt. And you want at least your trigger fingers to be a little bit shorter. If they're too long, you're not going to get that fingertip dexterity you want. You can always roll them back. Wash them after one or two uses. Stinky water will make them smell bad. Fish slime makes them smell worse. You can grip a fish better with them, but you're not supposed to get slime on you. And just in general, it keeps just muck and nasty off you when you're fishing. A pair of sun gloves. How about some Snow White Damsels? You can go get those at robsnowwhite.com. If you haven't fished my damselflies yet, fish them. I'm telling you, you're going to catch fish. My last inexpensive thing on this short list is a lanyard. I'll ask people, what's the one thing if you forget on your way to the stream, you realize it's back home and it's going to screw you for the whole trip? For me, it's my lanyard. I carry all my tools and gadgets with me. It's like my bat belt. I've been wearing the same one since Sunday, September 9th, 2001. Passing through Freeport, Maine, I stopped at the L. Bean headquarters store, the big one, and I got myself this nice lanyard. Nothing's really fallen apart on it. The foam tubes that go over your neck have broken into segments and they just slide around, but I can stick flies in them. I want you to have something that has all of your gear closely around you. You don't have to look and dig around and reach for your pack where something is clipped on or zipped on, carabinered, whatever. I carry my hemostat. I carry my nippers. I'll carry indicators. I'll stick flies in it, float in it, an amadou, device for sucking water out of trout flies carry a whole bunch things come and go off and on and i just feel comfortable having everything right there sometimes it gets in the way but for the most part i know where all of my gear is at one point did not see the llb one anywhere online i did some googling the ones i do think are pretty cool are bass pro loon had a cool looking one and then if you just put in fly fishing lanyard on Etsy, some neat ones come up and you'll get ones with a wine cork for sticking hooks in. It's just a neat way to keep all of your gear together. And I keep mine usually in the water bottle holder on the side of my gear bag when it's not in use. 
and I have to check if it's in there. If not, I'm screwed for the whole day. So I need to remember to put extra hemostat nippers in my gear bag in case I forget it. Big items. Only a couple of these. First one's Watermaster. If you're a good boy or girl this year and you want a really versatile, packable, easily to inflate, kind of indestructible, fun, dingy boat, it's going to be the Watermaster. It is way cool. I've done some crazy fishing in mine. A lot more planned fishing this summer than I had. Just low water and lack of time and other things get in the way. But the one trip I did was to the quarry. Go listen to that podcast. I didn't bring the boat last year and I was kicking myself in the shins for an entire year because I just was so mad I didn't bring it. And I brought it the second time. I could walk downstairs, hike in, inflate it, be on the water in a couple of minutes. Fits in the backseat of your car in its own backpack. You can travel with them. Does not take up space at your house. And you can put two people on them. Mine only fits one, but we've done two. Loads of fun. Just opens up water you didn't think you were going to be able to fish. Now, I also was able to get a new boat this year, and that's the Flycraft. But I haven't taken it out yet, so I can't endorse it. I mentioned Ariat earlier. I just bought my fourth or fifth straight pair of their Spot Hog boot. I've gone everywhere in it. I've wet weighed in them. I've hiked in them. Altitude, beaches, sand, salt, ice, snow. They're pretty indestructible. I will wear them down until they are no good, and then I just order another pair. They're not that expensive. The Spot Hog from Ariat. If you need a boot that you can just do absolutely everything in, shirt and tie, wet weight if you have to, that's the one. I was wearing those when I was wet wading in Breckenridge the day the guy pulled up to me and asked if I was an angler because he wanted to sell me a green bamboo rod for $20. You have to go back to the 2016 Colorado podcast for that story. But I said, dude, look at me. I'm soaking wet and I'm carrying fishing gear. He didn't put them together. Turtle box. There's always music on. My house, my girlfriend's house, out and about, the pool, the back deck, gardening, sometimes fishing, and the turtle box is the best sounding, most indestructible device I have come across. You can use my last name, Snow White, S-N-O-W-H-I-T-E, and get 10% off. The turtle box is a portable, waterproof, and impact-resistant, perfect speaker for your life's adventures. Turtle box is the ultimate outdoor speaker, loud, and it plays up to 1,200 decibels. So that's what I have on my website with the code if you forget. It's just amazing. The sound comes out better than any speaker I've encountered. If you drop it not too hard, it, it works. We've thrown it in a swimming pool. It works. It charges quickly. Don't use it while it's charging. They suggest that may drain your battery quicker. It's got bars on it. You can strap it to an ATV, a drift boat, a ladder, the side of your house, a diving board, whatever. It's really cool. You should have this as your one outdoor speaker if you're going to have one. The Regal Vice. If you're a fly tire and you don't have one, you want to get in and fly tying, this is the vice I want you to use. My microphone is on top of my Regal pedestal base at the moment because it was the only open space on my fly tying desk. I love the Regal. There's very few parts to it. Nothing's really going to go wrong. It's basically the same device that was first invented to hold a hook to tie this all together. Go read about that with Kurlansky. 
not much goes wrong with it. I can take the pedestal anywhere I want, put it down, tie flies. Flies in it don't go anywhere. It holds the biggest flies I'm going to tie. It holds the smallest flies I'm willing to tie on. I've got three, and I'm about to get a fourth one right now just because it's the best vice I've ever used. I've used several brands. I've watched people use several brands. I've seen people fail trying to put theirs together. This one, you squeeze it, put the hook in, maybe adjust, and you're done. You need good sunglasses. It's not just for seeing the fish. You need to know where to safely step, where to row, where to park your boat, what to see when you cross over a bridge. It's gonna make driving more pleasant, colors pop better, and it's gonna keep hooks, dirt, dust, wind out of your eyes. Always be wearing sunglasses or eye protection when you are out fishing. It's not just the hooks you have to worry about. I wear Costas. They're a little more expensive than your gas station glasses that you think are good enough, and you're never gonna see what I'm seeing when you're wearing those. And it's not just that I've been fly fishing for a long time and I've been doing it professionally for a long time and that I'm a nature dude and I just see things out there that other people don't. It's that you need to see what I'm seeing a lot of the time when I'm pointing and telling you what to do. You need to see where you're casting and doing what you need to do when you're out fishing. Your experience will be better by wearing a good pair of glass lenses that cut the glare make the colors more vibrant and set things apart. You can get different color lenses, different shapes of lenses. If you wanna look fashionable versus unfashionable, I don't care. You need to obtain a nice pair of sunglasses in your fishing arsenal. You need a good pair of glasses over good, uh, almost anything else. The glasses are the most important part. Take care of them like I do better than anything else. It's weird how much I take care of my glasses. They're always hanging up or they're in a case or they're protected somewhere. I don't let other people usually wear them. I don't want people talking about them. I don't want people looking at them. If you're that person that always loses sunglasses, get over it, grow up, get a good pair and take care of them. The electric vest was one of the best purchases I've made this year. I can't talk enough about this vest. It's got high, medium, and low chest and back, high, medium, and low neck and sides. It heats up really quickly. My car, I mentioned, is kind of old. And by the time I'm getting anywhere, it's just getting comfortable to sit in. It takes about 20 minutes to be comfortable in the car, 15 minutes for it to warm up. I don't really drive more than 20 minutes around here, even to go fishing most of the time. So on a cold morning, that's my only option right now. I don't have seat heaters. It's super cozy, you can wear fewer layers, and it charges overnight, and if you wanna charge your iPhone or your GoPro or whatever, you can use the battery pack it comes with. It was a total benefit to have that on the Salmon River. I was cozy, I was warm, just helped my body just being out there in the cold, swinging flies from sunrise to sunset. I wear it in the house a lot. The problem is if I wanna turn on the TV with the lights off, in the basement, there's a blue or red or orange light coming from my chest that is just kind of annoying. It'd be nice if those lights were not there. Maybe I could just, I don't put a piece of duct tape over them. But an electric vest, it was a great idea for whoever came up with it. 
give it to the person that's always cold, they will thank you. Second to last is gonna be a really nice rod case. If you want a nice one, I'm gonna tell you to get C-Run. They don't hold more than a nine foot rod, but they are the nicest rod cases on the market. They are leather and nylon, and they have locks on them and case covers, and they'll carry rods, reels, lines, sunglasses, extra things, food, snacks, your cigars, your flask of bourbon, whatever you're taking to the river, you can pack it all in this one thing and you're good to go. They're long and rectangular. And when you open them up, the rods go in the top. I usually keep mine in rod socks or twisted together with twist ties or hair bands. And then you can usually zip that closed. And that's the lid to go over several compartments where you're gonna put your rods, reels, lines, lanyards, all the stuff I've been talking about in this podcast. And if you're good, you can put pretty much everything in there you need to. Make sure your name is on it, in it, because it might get taken if it's checked and then you're screwed, but you always wanna take these as carry-on. And I always take this with my gear in it. It's the most protective way to transport all of my gear in one easy, long box. Last item is a five weight. Not just any five weight, you want you want that five weight. Every fly angler has a five weight. It's the most versatile rod and you should have a beautiful, nice, handmade, well-designed, well-built, well-taken-care-of, handcrafted, beautiful five weight. And it should be the rod you want to be buried with like that kind of a five weight. You're gonna use it a lot and it should be beautiful and it should have the action you want. And I don't really have one yet. I'm still in the market, but my Henry's fork, eight foot, six inch, five weight from Orvis would be my greatest five weight. It's not very pretty. Sometimes you gotta go ugly early when you're making a purchase when you're young. And this is something that young anglers probably aren't gonna understand and get into, but the longer you've been doing it, you do want to have that handcrafted, beautiful piece of artwork that's in your hand that's specifically designed exactly for the intentions you want. If you could go into Ollivander's and Harry Potter world and have a five weight be picked out for you, that would be ideal, but you can't. And you need to do the research. This is the rod. I, I don't know why most people cast rods on roofs and parking lots. You can't really feel much but this is a rod you want to play with do your research on and take your time and you want to have that beautiful five weight that you're going to put in your rod case while you're wearing your electric vest and your good sunglasses and you've got your fresh flies that you tied on your regal vice while you were listening to your turtle box and you're walking out the door in your spot hogs with your water master in the back seat with your lanyard in your case and your sun gloves packed and your dermatone on your face and all these other things I suggest you buy to go and fish more. That's going to be your New Year's resolution. I want you to fish more, have fun, listen to more of my podcast. This shouldn't be the end of the year, but I just wanted to give you a little top off on the podcast before you start doing too much for the holidays and start doing your road trips. I'll have one for you during that end of the year road trip travel time. This is the gear that worked for me this year. This is what I endorsed my clients. These are the things I talk about the most with 
people at Beer Tie, people that ask about fishing gear, and just people I'm fishing with. Hope it wasn't redundant, but if you're asking for things for the holidays, this is it. If you need suggestions on things to buy yourself, that's what I'm going to tell you to do. So have fun, wash your hands, call your mom, and I'll see you in about two weeks. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. This podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com.